Praise God. Can you thank him tonight for what he done on the cross? Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated tonight. Praise God. It's good to see each of you tonight in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me into 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I want to continue. We've been talking about spiritual assassins. Sunday morning, of course, we talked about evangelism and how important it is and those that are going into the regions of the lost each and every second, each and every moment, each and every hour. It's imperative that we reach them with the gospel, amen? That we do our very best and our, the best part that we can. And that's how that we reach them is through inviting them to the house of God and sharing our testimony with them so that they may be able to, to overcome. And so I thank God tonight for that. Second Corinthians chapter number 12 and starting in verse number 6. I want to talk about spiritual assassins tonight and uh, our subtopic would be buffeting spirits. Buffeting spirits. Paul has this encounter experience here in chapter 12 that theologians have discussed for years it's not even that perplexed or complicated it tells us the very thing of which it is and yet uh, theologians still want to debate about it today uh, but starting in verse 6 it said for though I might desire to boast I will not be a fool for I will speak the truth but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the, re the revelations a thorn in the flesh was given to me and a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing I plead with the Lord three times that he might depart from me and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in deeds in persecution in distress for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong can you say amen to the word tonight this is the second letter that Paul uh, sends to the church at Corinth the first he had to set some things in order and to get them back into center they were divided uh, they was uh, as you look at the scriptures and the chapters there in the first book of Corinthians, he tells them, he says, speak the same thing. In other words, don't be divided. And some of them thought that they were, were better because they were followers of Paul, and others thought they were better because they were followers of Peter. We also realize that in chapter 5 that there was fornication that was going on, 
They were abusing the communion. They were coming to eat the bread and drink the wine without uh, discerning the Lord's body. And, and Paul speaks up and says, you've got houses to eat and to drink in. Don't be coming here and just going through this like it is uh, uh, not something of great importance. Uh, they uh, were abusing the gifts in Second Corinthians ch- uh, tw- 12, the gifts of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith. Uh, they placed more emphasis on tongues than they did love, right? And uh, so in chapter 13 and verse 1, Paul said, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, I have not love. Uh, if, if I don't have love, I'm just like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. He tells them that you're going over overboard with these gifts because he said that you are emphasizing the tongues and all of these things, but you've got to understand that it's about the love of God that produces these gifts in your life that you need to focus on. Amen. It was He wasn't against tongues, for he tells them that I speak in tongues more than you all. Right? And so, but he says, you got to get this thing in balance. You've got to bring it back into the right perspective, and you've got to get some things under control. In 2 Corinthians, he defends the apostleship, and then in chapter 12, he addresses this issue that has perplexed theologians for years, this subject of the thorn in the flesh. And some say that it was a sickness, and, and they say that it was the effects of him being stoned, and They mention uh, the text before that in 12 and verse 2 and 4. It says that some say that it was his eye trouble and how he was blinded at Damascus. And and then they bring in Hebrews 13 and 22 and uh, says few words were written in this letter. In Galatians 4 and 15, he says, uh, commanded because they should have plucked out their eyes and given them to him. And so they use these references to say that it was some kind of physical ailment. But everywhere you find in Scripture that somebody came to Jesus for healing, Jesus always healed them. So it wasn't a physical thing that he was dealing with, but it was something in him that the Bible says here is very clear about. Amen. He tells us that it was a messenger of Satan sent to him. Amen. It means uh, to to buffet him. That word buffet means to strike repeatedly. And the American church sees very little of this. Uh, we are so con- uh, centralized here that we focus very our, uh, most of our effort and most of uh, our thinking and, and all that we do is about us. It's about who we are. It's about me, right? Think about it. We have a World Series between two American teams. <laughs> a world series between two American teams. We're about focused in on who we are. If we uh, was uh, our intentions were to be international, then we have to look beyond where we are. We don't get any news from around the world unless it's some world tragic event. You don't know what's going on in Cuba or China or Africa or Asia unless it is something uh, that is a, a terrible thing that has taken place. But you don't get national news, international news on a regular basis. Our news is about who is Brittany married to. Our news is about is Paris in jail this week. 
our news is who killed Michael, right? It's focused in on us. It's, it's self-centered at best around who we are. But we must be more world-minded. We, if we are going to see the church, then we've got to look beyond what the church is in America. And we've got to get a world vision of what God is doing. Because, you see, the kingdom of God is bigger than America. The kingdom of God is bigger than the American church. But there is a great revival beyond the borders of America. There is a great move of God that is taking place. And people ask the questions, where is the move of God? Where is the Spirit of God? If we're living in the last days, where are all of these things? But I want to tell you, it's more than just about America. There is a move of God. There are people being raised from the dead. The blind are seeing. The leopards are being cleansed. The lame are leaping for joy. Amen. And it's not just about who we are in America. We're just a small part of the kingdom of God here. But if we want to get a real uh, perspective of the kingdom of God, we've got to look beyond ourselves and we've got to take into consideration what God is doing around the world. Amen. And so, you see, in fact, that when we look at it, we see that what God is doing today, He is doing not just in one place, but He is doing around the world. And for the most part, the American church hasn't gone through anything. Thank you. Amen. We haven't gone. The worst thing that the American church goes through is they didn't talk to me. Somebody don't like me. Well, big whip. Nobody likes you at Walmart and you still go. Amen. I got frustrated at McDonald's the other day. They got the, I went through the drive-thru and they had the audacity, want me to give them money. All they want is money. Come on, somebody. Amen. But we don't, we've never went through anything. We, we, we think our persecution is somebody doesn't like us or somebody looked at us funny or, or some of the, oh, we, we haven't felt nothing. We, we don't uh, bear the marks of Christ in us. We've never had to suffer for the cause of Christ. We've never been uh, afraid that we might lose our very lives for speaking up and naming the name of Jesus. Amen. And so I want to tell you that we've had it very easy. But you see that, that when we look at ourselves, we see that we have had it easy. But there are people today dying for the cause of Christ. There are people that are giving up their life that are saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I must die, then I must die. But I am a Christian. Amen. And so we have to get a broader perspective than just what we see in America. But I want to tell you this, if there's going to be a global harvest, then there must be a global attack. Did you hear me? If there's going to be a global harvest, then there must be a global attack. And America cannot have revival without having a fight. So I'm trying to warn you and prepare you that there is trouble coming, that there is a battle at hand, that you will face opposition. That you will face if you think that we're exempt from the spirit of, of Islam coming to this nation. I want to tell you it's already here. 
It's got a a foothold in our nation, and it's coming after the American church. There's never been a day in a culture that has ever been in so much opposition to family and to Christendom than we are living in today. But I want to tell you that there is an anointing that fights against the power of the enemy that rages against you, and it will rise up, amen, and give you the authority and give you the victory, but we've got to know to prepare ourselves, to equip ourselves like men of war and know that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Praise God. Come on and give him some praise tonight. You can't divorce yourself from the warfare of terrorism because there is an enemy that hates you just because you're an American. And you cannot divorce yourself from spiritual warfare if you're a Christian. Amen. You're going to come under an attack. You're, You're going to be set against. The enemy is going to set itself against you. There is going to be a resistance. If he can't get you to quit serving God, then he'll try to attack your body. If he can't attack your body, he'll try to attack your family. If he can't attack your family, then he'll try to attack those around about you. But you better get ready because there is a fight in hand if you choose to be a child of God that will not be ashamed. Amen. It will not come just sliding into heaven, but we will have opposition and we will have attacks of the enemy that will come to buffet at us, but the greater one lives on the inside of us. Amen. So we shouldn't be cowering down and be afraid like that we are weak and anemic and we don't know what to do because God has empowered us to be victorious. Amen. Slap your neighbor a high five. Tell him God created you to win. Amen. You see, the enemy wants our territory. He wants to take over our family. He wants to take over our region. He wants to take over our area. But you see, our job today, he said, give no place to the devil. Our job is to maintain the region, to lose no ground, and to invade enemies held territory because Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, give him praise. The church is God's representation in the earth. Amen. We are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors. Amen. To be about doing the Father's business. We are the physical representation of the spiritual kingdom that is moving through this earth. People in the world cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the scripture. But they can see you. And guess what? The Bible said the kingdom of God is within you. And so when they see you, they must see the kingdom of God. When they see you, they must see the manifest presence of God. Amen. The church is to be the gateway of heaven. That's why Jacob, when he saw the ladder, amen, he said, this is Bethel, the house of God, the gateway of heaven. He was saying to us that the way that God gets heaven into the earth is through the church. 
We are the access to where that the world can see Jesus, that the world can see heaven. Heaven and earth come together at the church. This is the place, the gateway of heaven. This is the access, the entryway into the things of the Spirit, into the things of God. Amen. We are the means through which God has chosen to touch this world. We are His hands of healing. We are His voice that cries in a wilderness. We are His words of deliverance. And we must speak them with clarity and with authority and let this world know that God is great in us and because he is great in us that we can deliver them amen amen we're the enforcers of righteousness and restoration amen we are to proclaim his message what is his message the spirit of the lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel what is the gospel the good news of the kingdom the good news is when you come into the kingdom, amen, you got under the king's authority and his word, and it should govern your life. Amen? You come into the kingdom, you come under the king, his word and his authority, and now it leads and guides and directs. It orchestrates the affairs of your life. Amen? It should govern the way, uh, amen, that you treat your husband. It should govern the way that you treat your wife. It should govern the way that you treat your children and how you parent. It should govern the way that you spend your money. Amen. It should govern the way that you work. It should govern the way you walk, the way you talk. Why? Because I'm under his governmentship. I'm under his lordship. He is leading me. He is guiding me. So I don't walk like the world walks. I don't act like the world acts. But his word is in me. His, his provision is over my life. And his authority leads and guides and directs my path. And so therefore I don't work like normal people work. I work as unto the Lord. Amen. I, I don't act like other people act because I act as a, a way that the word that is in me tells me that I am to live. The status that says that we over, uh, the stats that we look at are overwhelming that tell us that the percentage of Americans say that they are Christians. And yet we can't pray in a public school. Come on. They say, keep your religion to yourself. Amen? That's private. Don't bring it public. But I want to tell you the devil is a liar. Because Jesus said, what happens in secret, he reveals in public. Amen? You're here in secret, but he said, you'll shout it from the housetop. The gospel of the kingdom must be delivered in power and in authority. That's why Jesus has given us the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. Amen. He said, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom, that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We have been deputized and authorized, and we carry out the plan and the purpose of God in the earth. Why? because his kingdom must come and his will must be done where in the earth as it already is in the heavens he has given us this authority and this dominion yes give him praise 
He didn't save you to get on the good old gospel ship. He saved you so you could invade the devil's territory. He saved you so you could reverse the curse. He saved you so that what the enemy stole from Adam, you could return it back to the kingdom of God. He gave you the power and authority not just so you could get to heaven, but so heaven could get into you and you could proclaim the gospel of the kingdom upon the face of this earth. Hallelujah. Until we take back our nation, till we take back our neighborhoods, till we take back our city till we take back our family till we take back our schools and we say the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our God and his Christ hallelujah I want to tell you tonight that you don't have to back up from Islam. You don't have to back up, amen, from the devil. But the God in you is greater than anything that hell can ever bring against you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He gave the church power to dislodge principalities and powers over the region. And after we displace them, we are to replace them. Amen. Where that it's easy to get saved in this valley. Come on. Where it's easy to get healed in this place. Amen. Where it's easy to be delivered from drugs and alcohol and addictions in your life. Why? Because we have dislodged those principalities and powers of darkness and we have replaced it with the kingdom word of God. Amen. The church is the thermostat that sets the atmosphere for God to move in. And that's why I preach so strong. Amen. We got enough sissified preachers in America. Amen. The the, the culture of our day has turned them into self-motivational speakers. And we need somebody to cheer you up every once in a while. But you've got to have some anointing up in the house to dislodge the principalities and the powers of darkness and say, look here, we haven't just come to play and we haven't come to cohabitate, but we have come to take over and possess the land like God said that we are to do. Amen. You see, we have gotten so far away from what we are to be as a church that we don't even know what we're supposed to be. But I want to tell you it's more than just a social club, but it's a place of transformation. It is more than just a place that we come in and feel good, but lives should be changed every single time that we come to the house of the Lord. Why? Because we have a greater power than the power that has tormented the hearts and the lives of people. And because of that we stand with boldness and authority and declare that God is great in us and he can be great in you and give you hope for your tomorrow if I'm apologetic and unsure the devil will come in here and spoil the flock amen and so I have to blow the trumpet in Zion so the wolf will flee with terror that he knows that I know what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. If you're just up there acting a fool and acting like it, then he'll come and expose you. But when you know who you are in Christ Jesus, it ain't being arrogant, it's being confident. Amen. And because you're confident in who you are, glory to God. 
we set the atmosphere. If the atmosphere isn't right, the spirit won't be free to move. And so you have to agree that it's easier to get saved in some churches than it is others. It's easier to get healed in some places than it is others. One man told me one time, he said, my wife doesn't like coming to our church. I said, why not? He said, well, you scare her. It didn't come out quite right, but I said, well, if I was the devil, I'd be scared too. I didn't mean that she was the devil. I meant what was in her. Sometimes, you, you know, if there ain't enough anointing in the house, people don't, don't fear. The enemy don't get stirred up. But when there's an anointing in the house, come on. It isn't, it, you know, but I'm going to tell you tonight that you, you can't be apologetic, but there has to be an atmosphere where the Spirit can move. And when there's an atmosphere where the Spirit can move, it's easy for people to get saved. It's easy for people to get direction and find hope for their lives. How do we do that? We do that through prayer and through fasting. We do that through our praise and through our worship. Right? We do not praise and worship so that late people can get here. Amen? We don't praise and worship until because I don't have what I need to preach yet. We praise and we worship because it creates an atmosphere where that one of two things will take place. The gifts of the Spirit will be in operation or the Word of God will go forth with power and with authority. And when that Word of God goes forth or the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, we're going to see the power of God break the works of darkness over people's lives. Amen. When you clap your hands, when you shout with a voice of triumph, when you praise Him in the dance, when we praise Him upon the stringed instruments, amen, it creates an atmosphere that changes us and brings us into the throne room of God. And enthroned, God is enthroned upon the praises of our, our worship and our praise. And when He does, He inhabits the praises of His people. And so when he inhabits the praises of his people, we have him in our presence, and in his presence there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. When you begin to praise God, he arises. Praise and worship is not about stirring you up. Praise and worship is about stirring him up. Amen. When Israel went into battle, they sang a song, Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Amen. When you say, get up, uh, get up, God, and show us your power. When you praise him, amen, you're saying, get up, God, and flex your muscles and reveal your glory. When you praise him, you say, there are things that I cannot do by myself, and I need your assistance. When you praise him, you say that I am not able, but I need you to work for me. And when we praise him, he goes to working, amen. When you begin to worship God, it's like spraying rain on a cockroach. Amen. And so what you have to learn how to do is praise Him when you don't feel like it. Praise Him when your body doesn't say, I feel anything. Praise Him whenever it seems like nobody else is praising Him. 
Amen. Worship him. Why? Because I know that I can't handle this on my own. And I'm not trying to get anybody stirred up, but I'm wanting to get my praise to the throne room of God because I know he inhabits my praise. And as I praise him, he's going to go to work on my behalf. Amen. In order for us to take the enemies out of our region, we must attack them. Matthew 12 and 29, how can one enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods except we first bind the strong man? And then he shall spoil his house. If the enemies to take over our region, he must first attack us. The enemy buffets us. He weakens us. The military softens uh, by aerial attack first, right? And then they go in to invade the land. When you intrude his region, he resists. He holds back. And the enemy is the same way. He will try to, he will try to invade you from afar. He will try to bombard you. And then he'll try to come in and take the land. For example, you first get saved, there is a measure of peace that comes to you, right? You enjoy it, and then all hell breaks out. Isn't it true? Your family told you and your friends told you and patted you on the back and said, we're glad you got saved, right? We're glad you're in church. But when you start witnessing and inviting them to church, a fight breaks out. You went to witness and got in a fight. <laughs> huh? It, because they are, are, are against, they're opposed to what's in you. I tell people all the time, it's not about who you are, it's about who's in you. It's about the God in you that causes them to have conflict. And you went to witness but ended up in a fight. What was it? It was a buffeting spirit. It was trying to shut you up. When the gospel comes, it pushes against the spirits that holds a person in bondage. Amen. It challenges one's thinking. It causes tension. It causes friction. Jesus said, I didn't come to send peace. He said, I came with a sword. Even He said, even heard from the sword of uh, the spirit that he gave us. He said, look, he said, I have come to set the son against the father and the daughter against the mother and the man's foe shall be of his own household. As I preach, I stir up buffeting spirits. I make people mad and not even try. Huh? When you declare truth, it stirs up strife. It stirs up something. Why? Because truth is being revealed. And when truth is being revealed, all of a sudden it challenges the lie. It challenges that within somebody that is not true, that is not honest, that is not of a good report. And it's not that they're angry at me, it's angry at the Word of God. Because the Word brings truth. And so there is a resistance to the truth. Ministry is under an attack. Let me just give you a few. 
probably not interested, but let me give you a few statistics. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month. Say month. Y'all ain't with me. That's what I thought. Some of you done been sprayed by raid, hadn't you? Amen. 4,000 new churches begin each year, 7,000 close. That's a 3,000 deficit. 50% of pastors' marriages are ending in divorce. 70% 70 const 70 constantly battle depression. 80% feel inadequately uh, and underqualified and discouraged. 50% are discouraged that they leave the ministry if they could. 80% of those graduating from seminary will leave in the first five years. 90% of their training did a, a, said that they did a poor to fair job in training them. 85% say their greatest problem is they're tired of dealing with problem people such as disgruntled elders, deacons, worship leaders, board members, and associate pastors. 90% say the hardest thing they deal with is uncooperating people. 90% say ministry was completely different than they thought that it would be when they entered it. 70% felt God called them, but after three years left. 50% felt God called, but they left also. 80% of the spouses wish their spouse was not in ministry. The kingdom is under an attack. You think it's easy to do ministry. All you see is the limelight. All you see is the pulpit. But I'm telling you, hell is raging every day against those who will be bold enough to rise up. This, these statistics here are about ministry, but I want to tell you it isn't just about pastor, but it's about people that dare to do ministry. You say, well, pastor, you scare me. I don't want to do ministry. Well, hell's going to come against you anyhow. So you might as well make a difference in the earth. Come on, somebody. Amen. This happened to Paul. Paul preached everywhere. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In Romans 1 and 16, he said, his preaching was not without enticing words of man's wisdom. In First and Second Corinthians 12 and 12, he said, the signs and wonders of the apostle were wrought among you. He was taking back enemy-held territory, and the enemy fought against him. Now, let me tell you today, Paul knew spiritual conflict was not just a metaphor. It was just not a philosophy. But he knew that it wasn't just a figment of people's imagination. But he bore the scars. He knew that it was real. Now I'm just about finished tonight. But if you want to rise above and go forward, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, then there will be friction and there will be opposition. Amen. Paul saw it firsthand. He could not read, uh, you cannot read this letter that he has written and not see that there was conflict and there was engagement that took place. You see these phrases, endure hardness as a good soldier. Fight the, fight the good fight of faith. Put on the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and wickedness in high places. Ephesians, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He has received, he is, 
was receiving and giving revelation. So this assassin was sent to buffet him, to strike him repeatedly. And he said the thorn of the flesh came because he, his abundance of revelation or his abundance of truth that he was giving. The battle has a natural and a spiritual element. Let me talk about that real quick and then we'll close for tonight. We'll pick this up later. Number one's the flesh. Satan can use your flesh against you. James 1 and 14, 15, every man is tempted when he is tempted, how? Through the lust, when he is, uh, isn't, through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and what? The pride of life. In my flesh dwells no good thing, he says. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. In verse chapter 13 and verse 14, he said, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Right? In Numbers 33 and 55, it said, But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, it shall come to pass that those which you allow to remain shall be pricks in your eyes and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Amen? He tells them in Numbers, he said, you got to get them out or they're going to come back to kill you. Watch this. The flesh, you have become, you have become thorns, he says. And so you get your flesh under control or your flesh is going to kill you. Paul said, I have to crucify or I have to die. How long? Daily. You've got to get the thorns out. You've got to get the pricks out. Or they're going to be in your flesh, in your land, in your flesh. And they're going to destroy you. He can attack and afflict your flesh through sickness, through affliction, through disease. Paul mentions suffering, but he also mentions surviving. Don't have time to go through it all tonight, but look through all of 2 Corinthians. In chapter 1, he talks about it. In chapter 2, he talks about it. Chapter 3, he talks about it. Chapter 4, chapter 7, chapter 11. He talks about surviving. He don't just talk about us getting this beating. He says he's made us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Amen. Glory to God. There are, and the second thing, there are things also that can vex or grieve your spirit. The messenger of Satan sent to buffet to strike me repeatedly. A messenger brings a message. Only two words in the New Testament that translate messenger. One of them is anglos and the other is apostolos, which are both used in this text. Paul says, I am an apostolos or apostle, a messenger of God. And, and because I am there, he said, there is an anglos or an angel, a messenger of Satan come to strike me repeatedly. 
He said, I prayed for it to be removed three times, but God said his grace was sufficient. There are messengers of Satan that like to send into your spirit words to try to discourage your spirit. Because you are not defeated from without, you are defeated from within. You show me somebody that has a defeated spirit, and I'll show you somebody that can be blown over with a feather. But you show me somebody that has an encouraged and a victorious spirit, and I'll show you somebody that can go through adversity and come out on the other side victorious every single time. How is that? Because my spirit dictates where I'm headed. It's not what's going on around about me. And so the enemy knows this, and, and he, he begins to send his messenger to say to you, you're not right. You, you can't have victory. You, he, he comes to tell you words like Revelation 12 and 20. He said he's the accuser of the brother. And so the accuser comes to uh, bring a curse to you. He wants you to feel as though that you are hopeless. He wants you to feel as though you're lost. He wants you to feel as though that you're bound. Amen. When principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness hovers over you and the community, he sends a messenger to create a mindset that you're hopeless, that you're defeated. Amen. And you don't have to be super spiritual. You can drive through communities and feel it. Amen. What does it do? It comes to break down your self-esteem and your self-worth. He tells you your children are never going to learn because they're slow learners. Right? And then when they bring the D home, you agree with what the devil told you. He tells us you'll never be free from poverty. Your whole family was poor. And you'll never get out of it. Just learn to live with it. Right? And we struggle. And we can't find a good job. So we agree that we're going to be poor. Right? We, he comes and he sends his messenger with a word that says you're going to die with a disease. Because your grandmother died with it. And your mother had it. And now you got it. You're going to die. And so because we look and grandma had it and mama had it, we start agreeing with the messenger that's been sent. But I want to tell you that we're greater than that. I said we're greater than that. God has given us authority and dominion. Amen. And I come to tell you the truth. That when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And the truth is that the Lord God said, I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. The truth is that you shall live and not die and declare the word of the Lord in the land of the living. The truth is that greater is he really in you than all of the hell that can come against you. You've just got to rise up and know that what the enemy is coming against you and bombarding your mind with is sent a messenger to buffet you 
and to try to break down the truth so you'll believe the lie and now the circumstances around you are telling you what the messenger said is going to happen but somebody has to stand up in the middle of that darkness and say I refuse to believe the report of the messenger but the word of God says I am healed the word of God says my family shall be saved the word of God said I will have victory the word of God said I'm the head and not the tail that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ that loved me and because of that I will believe the report of the Lord glory to God come on and give him praise tonight Revelation 12 and 10, he said, the accuser of the brethren has, is cast down. The next verse said, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. Glory to God. Listen to this. The thorn is the result of the curse. God and had Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and when they sinned, they were cursed. And the earth was cursed, and it brought forth thorns and thistles, Right? Thorns are a symbol of the curse. And when Abraham uh, takes Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice, an angel stops him and says, offer up the ram that is caught in the thorns, caught in the thicket. And so it was a type of Christ who should suffer the curse for us. Glory to God. You and I don't have to go through this life and barely get by. You and I don't just have to haphazardly just come through life and say, well, I hope I make it out alive. But God came and sent his son to reverse the curse. There was this attack that came and brought Adam and Eve under this bondage. But now there is a breaking uh, coming. How is it coming? It's coming to a lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. It is coming to a lamb, if you will, that has been caught in the thorns. Hallelujah. And now, because he has come, it is a symbol that the curse has been broken over my life. Amen. The type of Christ who would suffer for the curse of all humanity, that I might be released and be freed because of the blood that was shed for me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He took my curse so I could get blessed. Now let this mind be in you also, which is in Christ Jesus. Be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your suke, your mind, your mind, your will, and your emotions. What do I need to be renewed from? I need to be renewed from that atomic type of thinking. That I am cursed. That it will never get better. That life is just what it is and I've got to get to it somehow. But I've come to tell you tonight that you've got to cast down every vain imagination everything that exalts itself above the name of Christ, you got to get a hold of it and you got to bring it down and what? Bring it under submission to the will of God. The Word of God says you're healed. The Word of God says you're blessed. The Word of God says you're victorious. The Word of God says you're more than a conqueror. Amen? The messenger comes to put in your mind to say you're 
you're not going to make it. You're going to be in poverty. You're going to be sick the rest of your life. That this is going to happen and that is going to happen. That's why messenger comes and he, he don't just bring it once. He buffets you. He keeps striking at you like a snake. He keeps hitting you with it over and over and over and over again until your circumstances around you look like it and you begin to believe it in your mind. And what you believe in your mind gets into your heart. Whatever is from your heart, the mouth begins to speak. And when you begin to speak it and begin to confess it, then you create your own world. I ain't got time to go through all of that. But I'm telling you, it starts in our mind. The battleground, I believe that there are principalities and powers of darkness. It ain't for you to take on by yourself. Those are things that the church must do together to bring them down around the region. But there is something in here is where the battleground is. And if you can get to thinking that you're sick, if the enemy can make strike you and make you think that, then that's all you're going to believe. I used to mess with a boy whenever I was going through the internship program. I know this isn't right, so y'all pray for me. But I used to mess with him. His name was Lars, and I worked at a mix and paint at George, George Folk Auto Body and mix and paint. And old Lars would come in there of the morning. I said, Lars, you okay? He said, yeah, why? I said, you look sick, man. No, I'm okay. I keep it up. I'd say, you okay? You looking bad. I'm telling you, before lunchtime, I'd convince him, and he'd tell the boss, i got to go home. I'm feeling sick. I ain't proud of that. <laughs> I'm just telling you that that's how the enemy works. He keeps hitting you. You okay? You're sick? You're afflicted? You're poor? You're in poverty? You broke down? You ain't never going to make it? Huh? And we don't believe it at first. We say, no, we're a child of God. But he keeps on hitting us with it. Keeps on buffeting us, striking us with it. Until we begin to agree with the messenger that has been sent. But Paul said, I'm not going to stand against it. God said, my grace is sufficient. He said, you're going to stand against it. You ain't going to give in to that messenger, Paul. You're going to keep on declaring the word of God and lives are going to be changed. I come to challenge you tonight. I come to tell you that there will be assassins that will come. There will be buffeting spirits that will come, but you're greater than they are. And you can win tonight. I said, you can win tonight. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's just love the Lord a moment. See what he'll do. Father, we just love you in this place tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence of God. Thank you for your anointing, God. God, that rests upon each and every one of your people tonight. Lord, we just thank you, God, that in this house you have made us victorious. You have made us more than conquerors. God, many are being buffeted, being stricken by the enemy. But we refuse to give in to that tonight. We refuse to give in to that spirit. We refuse to give in to that voice. We refuse to come give in to that one that continues to perpetually strike against us. We declare tonight that we will be victorious in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Father, in this moment, I pray that you would touch us and you would minister to us. Somebody that's been stricken and, and stricken and stricken and hit from every side. Lord, seem like they're going under and don't have the strength to stand up tonight. But God, you sent them into this house to hear the word. They know what's taking place in their life. I pray that you administer to them tonight in the name of Jesus. Someone's family that is under an attack. The assignment of hell is to take them out, but your word is to set them free. So I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you will minister to us in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah. You're here tonight. You said, Pastor, that word's for me tonight. I'm not going to push on you, but if it's for you, I just want you to come into agreement with the word. Let's just come and stand around the front of this altar. I'm going to believe God that the anointing will destroy the yoke and remove the burden. That God's grace will be sufficient to supply every need of your life tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
us to be overcomers. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated just a moment. Our ushers are coming to wait upon us tonight for your evening tithe and offerings. Bless the Lord in your giving today. Amen. Just remembering him for his faithfulness. Just being faithful to him and being thankful for what he has done in our lives. Because somebody else gave so we could hear the gospel. We too give so that others can hear the gospel. Amen. Praise God. So you give tonight. It's according to that that you've purposed in your heart to give. Amen. Praise God. Ushers come tonight. Father, thank you for this privilege tonight to give to kingdom work. We ask you now that you would just bless the gift and the giver. Supply every need according to your riches and glory. We thank you that you're an everlasting God. Thank you, God, that you're a God of more than enough. God, that you give abundantly and graciously. And I ask you tonight, Lord, as we give to you, that we will reciprocate back into our lives things that money cannot buy. God, we thank you and praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you in your giving tonight. And I would give the world to tell your story. I know that you've called Sunday morning, coming to worship the Lord together, blessing his name. Amen. Just remember, I believe all of the announcements have been in the bulletin. Also, I want to encourage you, if you haven't gone to our website lately, it's hurricanechurch.com. All of the announcements, all of the things.